Father, we thank you for the blessing. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our life. We praise you and we lift you up, Lord. Bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 4, please? God is incredible. Um, yeah, that's so much I want to share today and say. So I want to try to try to put it into a few minutes. <laughs> that's not always the easiest. I just realized that as the, the type of people I've been all different sermons I've been listening to, God is really speaking to his body. He's not silent. God is taking us somewhere and he's releasing something in us so that we can release it out of us. We have the Holy Spirit, but sometimes you need to realize what you've got for it to leave, to flow, to be. Um, and we'll be talking about maturity, we're talking a lot of different things, but maybe maybe we should just read this first and then, then I can speak. So this is the story of the Samaritan woman. Some of you know this. And verse 1 says, Therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made, uh, ah, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made, um, made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus did not baptize, but his disciples. That's interesting. I actually... In all the years that I've read this story, it's one of my most favorite stories. I never read that line. I don't know how and what happened with it, but that line is that these guys were, the disciples were baptizing people. They, they were not just, um, Jesus wasn't baptizing, but they were baptizing. And people were like, there's a, there's a revival happening. These people are ba being baptized. Power of God's healing them. So Jesus then left Judea and departed into Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So this wasn't a, a normal place that he was going through. So when he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Caesar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, this is there's a very interesting part about that. I'm not going to get into that. You can go and, if you like to do Bible study, go and read what happened there. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus is there for being weary of his journey, sat thus at the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Do you read there that what was, what was Jesus? He was tired. Yo, that's a miracle, huh? Didn't know. Jesus never got tired. I mean, he's superhuman. Super Jesus. Superman Jesus. He just always never gets tired. Bullets bounce off of him. He just, like, he just is never hungry. He's never. This is, says that Jesus was tired when he got to this well. Um, it was about, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and, and he said to her, give me a drink. And his disciples had gone into the city to do what? Buy food. I said, well, I just asked Nonu, would you, Nonu, sorry, would you just switch off the kettle or just turn the kettle down there, please, or so, someone? Thank you. My ADHD brain just sees everything, so 
have to stick with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, then the women of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, asks me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So Jesus is just, yeah, in a situation where there's racial tension. There's situations here. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, Would you give me your living water? Now Jesus realizes this is a moment of ministry. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where will you get the living water from? We do not have enough in this country. Lord, where will we get the finances? My budget is too small. How can you supply? We don't have the education for it. What will you do? APSA denied me. NetBank denied me. Um, Sunlum denied me. Uh, the, the money lenders at the corner denied me. Lord, how will you do it? It is impossible. I've been to every doctor. Lord, how will you heal me? I've called every psychologist. How will you save my mind? I've done everything possible. How can I get it? I've tithed for the last 25 years, but still have not seen the benefits thereof. I have come to church every week and fasted twice 40 days, read through the Bible completely three times. Lord, how will you do this? Am I speaking to some people? Yeah. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you bigger than our political party? Do you have more than the dollar? Is it stronger than the euro? <laughs> God says, go to, go to Europe. Lord, the rand is weak. <laughs> Lord, how can we do this? How will you provide for us? He says, yeah, and you need to feed. He says, greater than our father Jacob, who gave us a well and drank from it himself. You know, she knows her history, as well as his sons and his livestock. So like, this well is deep. This well has got a lot. How can you give us more than this well? Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of the water, of this water, will thirst again. Whoever follows the natural path will thirst again. Listen to these lines, okay? I want you to, I'm going to emphasize a few things here. It says, there is a thirst. So for a moment, your thirst is quenched. For a moment, there's an answer. For a moment, there's a breakthrough. For a moment, something happens that comes right. But there is something deeper that I want to take you to. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will what? Never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said, give me this water that I may never thirst nor come here to draw water again. <laughs> Jesus said to her, go. Call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have, um, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one that you are with right now is not your husband. It is that you spoke truly. And Jesus said to him, and the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> I perceive. He's like, yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're right. You just saw everything. And the father said, our father worship, listen what she see, immediately goes to, our fathers worship on the mountain, and, um, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place we ought to worship. Where does she go to immediately? Where do I go to church? 
What have I done to worship? Like you immediately, God reveals something. She feels insecure in this moment. Immediately she goes to, okay, but I, but listen, isn't that the, the fact? I've heard the grace movement's the right one. Oh, I heard that tithe, I shouldn't tithe. I heard this thing's here. I'm, I'm confused a little bit of where this is at. What is the right path to follow? Is it the NG manier of is it the AGS allemaal gesteelde skapen? Is it the PPK permanente probleemkinders? Is it, is it the charismaniacs? Is it, is it the Jewish movement? Should I call him Jesus? Should I call him Jeshua? Should I call him Pete Pompis? What should I call him? Isn't that sounding a little bit like where we are today? We've got a world that is in crisis in the natural, but we've got a, a church system that is in crisis in religion. Everybody's got an opinion and not the truth. Everybody's got something. Listen, it's the, it's the season of YouTubers. Everybody that criticizes, and everybody gets more views because this pastor is criticizing that pastor, and this one's speaking out against that one, and this one has got that opinion about this song. That's not a deep enough song. And Everybody, you say we must be in Jerusalem. This one say we must be in Samaria. Who's doing what here? What is going on? This is crazy. Are you going to give me water that will change my circumstances? Because what I have, next, I need to come here every day. And here's the thing is, my life is in disorder. My life is in chaos. I've been mistreated. I've been through f uh, five different husbands. I'm not in a, relation, in a committed relationship. The one I'm with doesn't want to even get married to me. I'm just staying here. I've been abused, and society has kicked me out. I'm not with the group of women that goes and gets water. I'm alone outside the city, and I've come to get water. Please give me something so that I don't have to be embarrassed to come out here every single day alone. Ooh. Oh, this is good. Then Jesus said to women, believe me, the hour is coming. When you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father, but down in Strand and in Gordon's Bay, far from Jacob's pit. You will never have to travel to Jerusalem to fulfill your Mecca. Because there's some Christians like, if you haven't gone to Jerusalem, you ain't a, you ain't a, a, a glorified Christian. And those who have been to those who have been to Jerusalem, <coughs> they're a little bit higher than you. Have you been around those people? <laughs> no, man. Come on. He says it's not the point. Is it beautiful to go? Yes, but that's not the point. He says, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is with the Jews. He's talking about himself. The hour is coming and now is when true when what? True worshipers. What, what does he call us? Worshipers. True worshipers. Who worship the spot Father in spirit and truth. Yep. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is flesh. Uh -uh. God is what? God is what? But why do we struggle with that? God is spirit. God is not natural. But we're so natural, we struggle to get to what he's to, who he is as spirit. So he says God is looking for true worshipers who worship him in one spirit 
and truth. There's a spirituality and there's a truth connected to it. It says, um, spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So what did she re- The moment she heard about worship, she says, but I've, I know something's coming. I, 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 don't, I don't know what that is, but you're touching some, something in my heart. I've heard this. I've, I've heard there's, a, there's something there. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus reveals to this woman one of the most deepest things in the Word. He reveals himself completely. I'm the Messiah. He doesn't do that with the disciples. He doesn't do that. uh, When he asks them, he says, who do people say I am? And then after that, he says, who do you say I am? And when Peter says, you are the son of God, Jesus didn't say that. God revealed it to Peter so that Peter had revelation knowledge. You, you guys were here with Henny last week when he said, we, we heard something, but now we know something. It's not a, a communicative knowledge. It is revelation knowledge. It's a revealed knowledge to him. I am he. And at that point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he was talking to a woman. <laughs> and no one said, who, who do you, um, yet no one said, who do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman left the water pot and went, um, and went away into the city. Did she take water? There was no, she left her water pot, and she ran into the city. He said, yeah, come, and then she, when she, get into the, and when she got to the city, she said to the men, who abused her? Who did she run to tell the gospel to? <laughs> you know, when something happened, the first thing went into the city. She went to the men. And she said, um, come and see the man who told me all things that I have ever did. He didn't do that. He just revealed to who he was. And she felt that he could see everything. She felt in herself, all is revealed. God just drops one little seed into your heart, one little word, one little thing, and you feel open and vulnerable before Him because you realize, Lord, you see all of me, yet you love me. He didn't say all of that. He didn't say, I see every part of your life. He just said, I see you, and you go like, wow, He sees everything. How intimate is that? He goes here and says, um... Come see the man who told me everything. Could this be the Christ? She asked the question. When they went out of the city and came to him, then they went out of the city to come to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Who has brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to him, The food is to do his will who sent me and to finish his work. Then he talks about the harvest. So Jesus was hungry and tired, but has a moment in the spirit, and when he comes out of it, he's, no, he's not hungry or tired anymore. Did he sleep or eat? No, he just, he was just in the spirit. Okay. He was just in the spirit. There's so much happening in the story. And then he talks about the harvest that comes and the one that the laborers, that those who work and even though they have worked, um, they, they might not see, but those who are starting now 
verse, verse 38, I send you to reap that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. How many of those who have gone before us have labored for us to be here today? You know, I just want to throw that in there. Why, why is, just a little side note here, why is tithing such an important part of giving to church? Because it's what I labor for that others have the benefit of. You know, when, when, when this is why tithe is so beautiful. It's 10% of what you earn, not 10% of what they earn. It doesn't say everybody's got to give 1000 a month. It doesn't say everybody's got to give 10000 It says what is 10% of yours belongs to God so that your 10%, if you earn 100 bucks, is 10 bucks. So it's not an but somebody else, their 10% might be a million. And so when they're giving that, every part of the body fills up so that the entire body has the benefit of what that brings. So that when everybody comes together and everybody gives, they, the labor is throughout what the body gives so that the full body has benefit of it. If it was just based on one thing, then we could say, wow, listen, how unfair is that to the widows that give? Because now the widows have to give to make sure that the church, they can't pay for the church building. But for those who are laboring and giving, that and giving into that, that makes a space for all to come. There are people here who do not earn a massive salary, who are barely getting by on the little bit they have. They're paying their little tithe in blessing and honor to God and going, Lord, this is my five bucks for the week. I got five rand, but I'm bringing it to the king. But that five rand is impossible to pay for the rent of this building. <laughs> but when everybody gives together, that provides a fullness of everybody laboring together so that there are other benefits. It's just a little side note I wanted to throw in there so that everybody carries that weight. Listen to this. And many Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. <laughs> many Samaritans believed because of the what? The word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. What did she share? She shared a testimony. What was her testimony? Her testimony wasn't that God had uh, provided thousands of rands. Her testimony, those are powerful testimonies, don't get me wrong. Her, her testimony wasn't that she had gone into Africa and saved thousands of souls. Her testimony, her testimony is, what did he do for me? How did he impact me? How did my life get changed, transformed from a brokenness to wholeness, from being discarded, depressed, downtrodden, de defeated, to being victorious, to being loved, to being complete in him? Everything of that changed and transformed that city. But listen to this. So when the Samaritans had come to him and urged him to stay with them, he stayed a few days. And many who believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, listen to verse 42. This is important. Then they said to him, now we believe not because of what you said. 
For ourselves we have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Many of us did. Now we believe not because you told us, Dave. Not because you told us, Sean. But because we sat with him. And we received from him. That we know that what you said and what he said and what God says is true. Oh, if you were here, I can stop the sermon right now. But I'm going to just push a little further. Is that okay? This God cannot be from a communicated truth. I cannot come and just receive what somebody just told me. i got to go and take that and say, but what is that to me? Reveal it to me, God. I can't just be a truth about healing for somebody else, a truth about finances, a truth about service. Like I can beg you all week long to please come and serve at the church. And the benefit of that would be, I can put all the testimonies of the life-changing thing that's happened in people's lives from serving and being part of it or evangelizing or whatever. But until you do not step out of the boat, until you do not step into that and say, Lord, let that be a truth to me, an experiential truth, a revelation, it's just communication, and the devil can tempt me on that. Listen, we don't talk about the devil here in this church because he's a defeated foe. But is he real? Yes. And he's called what? Deceiver. He's not called powerful. Listen, what's the devil? The devil's not powerful. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He's not all these things. He's not the greatest of this. He's not a king. He's a defeated foe, but he is still a deceiver. And, it's, and as Henny said, it's so beautiful. How, how incredible is that? That he could deceive someone who had everything and had no past. He could deceive Eve, who had a relationship with God, who had there, who had never been abused, had never gone through anything bad in her life, had no bad parents, had nothing in her life was bad. And no lack. She had no lack. She had more than enough. Yet he could deceive her. You think you're going to miss that? You think he's not going to try you on some revelation that was preached by the Word of God in this place to come knock at your door and ask you, do you really believe that God will take care of you? Do you really believe you can get healed? Do you really believe he cares for you? So the... The heart of this message is worship. Who is the throne of my heart? Because what he reveals to her is he's looking for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. Who, what is, what's the heart? You know, I've used this before. This phone, I think Henning may, might have used it also as, a, as an illustration, but this phone is all the apps. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But in an emergency, none of the apps matter. It's the fact that I can communicate through this piece of thing. I can communicate. I can, if I'm in an emergency, I need to get hold of someone. So when I strip everything away, the heart of what this is, is to be able to communicate. A pen fits perfect in your ear, but it wasn't meant to scratch your ear. It's useless if there's no ink in it. Because what was it designed to do? It's nice. It's cool. It's cool on the ear. It's just like, 
you needed to. But that's not, for, for those, those plastic pens with the lid, to, when you're stressed, you can bite it. But that was, it's, it's a, it helps, but that's not what it was meant to do. It needs to, when I strip everything away from Christianity, what is the heart? Worship. It's Jesus. It's all Jesus. Nothing else matters. It's the, it's the heart of, of every bit of who we are as a Christian. And, and I feel like COVID started it, and the, the crisis in the world started it, situation in South Africa is still pushing and more pushing into it. And, and I don't know what the next couple of years can do, but I, I believe that God is using, because God doesn't, God doesn't not bring stuff, but He uses stuff to our benefit. And it will strip away everything until it gets to the core of who you are as a child of God is Jesus. If it's not for that worship and that intimacy and that experiential moment, that knowledge with Him, that intimacy with Him, I will lose my way. I will lose my way because He's not on the throne of my heart. I am. If I'm on the throne of my heart, it's not about him. You know, if if the journey, if, if you've ever been on a bus ride, a long bus ride, you, you realize some of the people that get on the bus or the train doesn't go, they don't go the entire journey. Right? It's not like a plane where they stop and they get off. I'm talking about a bus. It stops at different stops and people get off and get on and then goes to the part. And I, and I realize that some of you that are in a church or some of you that know, don't know the full testimony or we don't always share that. I don't always share my full testimony or anything. But this journey didn't start when you walked through the door into this building. This building was not, also not the full journey before we got here. The last tw almost tw 18 years of ministry isn't the full 18 years of our walk as a family. Or let me put it as my walk as a pastor's child. How many pastor's kids serve Jesus? Very few. I'm going oh, to get to something. I'm not going to come and throw my laundry yet today. <laughs> I'm not going to come and give the devil glory, but through my life, I have seen the worst of people. The worst. Through my life. I have seen this family give and love and be, and I've seen the worst of people. Whether that was at school when my parents were the only charismatic church in a town called Malmesbury that was predominantly traditional where teachers would get up and mock my family and mock me, teachers in the classroom, because we had a church with a band. So when it came to anything that happened in the class, I, I got the blame for it. I got the stuff. Oh, Sean, would you please stand up and sit in the back? And I did very well in, in history at school, and I loved history. And at the end of every year, I would get 100%. And every year, they would not let me stand for the highest mark in the class. They would take number two and let her stand and go, wow, you did great. Because my dad was a pastor and we were a church that spoke in tongues. So we were a sect. We were a cult. And so that cult was always pushed down, pushed down, pushed down, no matter what. 
And so it went on through a lot of different things in my life and, and stuff within the church and things that happened to my parents as we as children watch that. Please just stick with me a moment. I'm, not, I'm using this to get to this point. There's so much of that that's happened through my life of those things. I remember finishing service here for Christ, and they would call up the entire team, and my parents couldn't be at the, at the, din, the, the final here at dinner. And so they would have all of us on stage, and, and at the end, they would, everyone would say, the, the pastor would get up and say, listen, Sean, you did well. You, or not Sean, the people. And he would, this is what God's going to do. And he got to me in front of an entire audience of people and said, I do not know what you did here this year. I don't think you have a calling. <laughs> and I stood there and I'm like, I know different. Out of my entire team, there are only two of us that are in full-time ministry of that team of that year. Everybody else, most of them don't serve Jesus today. Now, I'm not using that as an example. I'm telling you, words, situations, things, hurts. So when you come and you say, Sean, I've been through some hurt in my life. I can come and stand here and say, hey, I know what you're saying. I've had to face offense for years. I've had to see lack for years. Not just in what it was when my father was asked to leave his church. He resigned because they hadn't paid him for six months. They lost their home. They lost everything. We lost everything. I had to run two to three different jobs to put myself through Bible school. At any stage, I could have said, I hate Christianity. God does not take care of me. Everybody hates me. I'm leaving. I'm going to go and party. I wanna, I'm not going into ministry further. At any time in ministry, we've had so many years, years. Uh, years ago, there was a leader, part of this church, who sat in a meeting that I had spent 10 years of friendship with him. Years ago, not lately, years ago, that person turned to me, said to me, and I said, but you're my friend. The person said, hey, I've never been your friend. Wow. The hurt that, that hit in my heart. And the pain that who's been through stuff like that? Come on. Who's lost stuff? Who's been disappointed? Who's faced accusation? Who's had uh, stuff stolen from you? Who's been betrayed? How do we get, isn't, do I, don't I find myself in this story? So I can make a decision. Do I want to fill my communication in my words and my life with where I've come from or who he is. I, I, I can tell you story on story and story and story and you could just like, oh, we feel so pity for you. I don't want that. That's why I'm not continuing with my stories. That's why rarely do I get up and share my brokenness because my brokenness is the woman at the well meaning Jesus when he says worship me Jesus at the center it's all about him it's all about Jesus it's not about what's happened or what's going to happen or what's been done it's all about Jesus keep you know what I realized you know I can throw this in quickly quickly 
the Bible in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews, was double-edged sword, right? It's Hebrews. Double-edged sword. The Bible's a double-edged sword. Two-edged sword. Sharper. It says sharper than a two-edged sword. If I use this to judge, it will cut back. But if I use this to heal, it will heal back. If, if I use this to bring life, it will cut back. Like, I feel the power of God right now. I've been trying to hold my emotions all morning because I just realized the depth of who he is. Because this is his truth. And he says, worship me. Worship me, Sean, in spirit and truth. When I worship him, everything else falls away. Falls away. It doesn't carry weight in my life anymore. A hurt doesn't carry weight when I'm in his presence. Disappointment doesn't carry weight when I'm in his presence. Accusations don't carry weight. Lack doesn't carry weight because I know you are my source and you are my strength. And I worship you. You are all to me, Jesus. You are everything to me. And I trust you and I know that you will bring us through and I wonder if scripture says be still and know that I am God sometimes I need to just shut this thing when it doesn't bring glory to him just to shut it and just bring glory to him listen I, I, this church doesn't belong or, or, or this church isn't outside. It says it's it's Sean's church. God has put me and this ours family with a vision here and leadership, and I believe in structure and leadership. But understand this thing is that God's the one who builds this church. So when you say yes to being part of this, or yes to coming here, or yes to that, you stand open before Him like this woman. Going like, Lord, this is my heart. This is my life. It's yours. Because he's the head of this church. He's the one who's on the throne of this church. He's the one who's in your life, who where you're at. And, and this woman's life is transformed where? When she gets intimate with Jesus. The purpose of where we at for the next couple of months, and, and I believe for this decade, is Jesus-centered. We want the glory. I don't, I don't want a stage or a performance or a thing. Hey, I'm done with that. There's no performance. There's no, there's no thing. We, we want Jesus. I want His glory in this place. You know, there's, there's interesting, when Jesus calls the, the demon, I, I just remember, He only once asked the demon, what is His name? And I wonder, like, why did he only ask that once? Because some ministries build their entire ministry on asking devil's names. They could just as well call it, we ask names ministry. He's the father of lies, man. I'm telling you he's coming from Kimberley, but meantime he's coming from Uppington. <laughs> How did you get here? Front door, you lie, you came through the back door. <laughs> like, he can tell you a bunch of lies. But why did Jesus tell you or to ask him, what is his name? Only once. He needed them to see that a thousand demons 
cannot keep someone from running to him. Number one, a thousand demons couldn't keep that demon-possessed man from running to the feet of Jesus. When Jesus put his foot on the shore, a thousand demons couldn't hold that man back. You think one demon can stop you from worshiping? And then he shows, a thousand demons don't have authority over me. And he chased them into the pigs. But here's the thing. Jesus goes to Nazareth. There's not a thousand demons there, but there's familiarity. And he couldn't do many miracles. Am I familiar with the word? Have I have I gone complacent and then because it's just it's just it's just Dave preaching. It's just Henny. I know them. I know them. It's it's just Sean. It's it's just the word. It's just Sunday. A thousand demons couldn't stop a man, but yet the place where they say, "Oh, it's Jesus. It's Peter's son." We thought it was a good word until we realized who preached it, and he couldn't do miracles. Because they said, I'm not talking about us as a person. I'm talking about the heart of worship. Paul says, I want to know, in 2 Corinthians 5, I want to know no man after the flesh. Know him after the spirit. So the heart is, Lord, what are you speaking? And so I will come with a heart that will not cut to judge. But his words like heal. Life. I let Lord, life and death is in the power of the tongue. I will only think on these things. Lord, help me. So love unto others. Lord, let your work, let your be, let forgiveness flow. Let love flow. Let, let. Where will worship take us to? What will our city look like? What will our, our church look like? What will, what will your finances look like? What will your world look like? When it's not, you are not connected to the external of what is happening to you. But I'm connected to the heart of the Father, the true source. Lord, it's you. It's you. I'm not going to have one thought. Then the enemy comes and says, hey, let me deceive you with thoughts of lack. Let me deceive you with hurt. Let me deceive you with disappointment. Let me deceive you with these things. And you go like, I will not take my eyes off of Jesus. I will not. It is my food. It is my source of strength. It is my intimacy with him. Worship isn't singing, yet singing helps with worship. Sean, I don't have a voice, or I don't have a beautiful voice. No, but you have a voice. Sing it out loud. Praise the Lord. Lift up your voice. Say, I've got the most horrid voice in the world. Then just stand a little further back, but don't keep quiet. Worship the king. Worship the king. Worship the king. Listen, this cannot be the ultimate of worship. Because what happens on Tuesday morning when nobody's around and you've got no music on and things are crazy and someone and the sheriff of the court shows up at your door and hands you a bill and says, you need to pay 200000 right now. And there's no backing vocals. There's no worship song. There's no elevation. There's nothing. It's just worship. 
to go, Lord, you can do this. When something comes your way, when they break into your car and they smash up everything and you don't have, I was speaking to someone in the week, didn't have insurance, didn't have stuff. Uh, anyway, a lot, of, a lot of nonsense. It's just and I walked away from it. And I just lifted my hands and said, but God, you are my source, not my insurance. Am I preaching against insurance? No. Am I preaching against medical insurance? No. But how many of us rely because we monthly give (laughs) without fault to our insurance that they will have our back? How great is that to know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is my Father. He's my Abba. My papa, that knows. You take a moment, just close your eyes. James says, do not deceive yourself in thinking that when you hear something like this today, I think you got it all this morning. A seed is planted into your heart today by the word of God. The word is the seed. It falls into your heart. But you have got to cultivate the seed. You've got to water it. You've got to water it. And go, God, I, I am going to do something about this word today. It cannot just be communicative knowledge today. I've got to have experiential revelation in my life. Holy Spirit, come and reveal this to us. Take this to a new level. We love you, Jesus. Just for a moment, just a moment, come on. Just let him love you and love on him. I love your presence. I love your presence, Lord. There's no one like you. I cannot stay the same. Lord, I pray that this will be such a release in KLC. Heart of worshipers. Heart of worship. We thank you for that, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. Amen.